Chris. Chris. What? You gotta what? wake up. What? Hey, what? What? What's going on? Where am I? What? What happened? It's 2017. You've been in it's, a coma for a, over a year. How? How? Wait. 2017? What are you talking about? Yeah, it's 2017. Carrie Fisher and Prince are dead, and oh, Donald no. Trump is president. What? Excuse me? Yes. What did, who did you just say? Do- Donald Trump. You heard me correctly. Uh, the real estate guy? Yeah. The apprentice guy? Yep. Yeah, the, your, all those the, things. Fire all those guy? Thi- yep, all those things. You are correct. That, and that, and so so he, he just got sworn. I, I mean, I don't, you have no idea what day it is. It's January... Uh, 26th so he's been he's been president for just a few days at this point and uh the resistance is being led by the national park service on twitter oh good good i guess i'm pretty sure we're all fucked oh yeah i i'm very confused are you sure are you sure i'm not still in a coma yeah yeah okay um welcome can I can I get put back into the coma, please? No, we have to start reading terrible books again. No, I uh, no no, please no, please. I want to be put. I want to be back in the coma. It's Paris. the, it's the only way to coma. deal with it. We need just the bread me, and service. Just put me back in the coma, please. Paris. No. One thing I don't know why it doesn't even matter how hard you try. Keep that in mind. I designed this rhyme to explain in due time. Watch it fly by as the pendulum swings Watch it count down to the end of the day The clock takes life away So unreal, didn't look out below Watch the time go right out the window Trying to hold on, didn't even know I wasted it all just to watch you go I kept everything inside and even though I tried It all fell apart, what it meant to me Will eventually be a memory of the time I tried so Welcome to a new episode of Terrible Book Club. It's been quite a while. It's been quite a long time, hasn't it, Paris? Yeah, I think this is technically episode 15, but we were on hiatus for more than a year, so whatever. We we might have lost a little bit of the count there, but that's okay. Yeah, this Um, is anyway. It's January 26th, 2017. Yeah, um, and we had to to come back, I think. Yeah, I mean, we had to. <laughs> the the world we live in has changed so much, but there's still terrible books. There's still they're terrible still books, there. exactly. There's and still you know, so many. You know, until until Some we're them, no longer able to read books, <laughs> we'll keep yeah, doing true. this. Yeah, true. You know, until all books are eradicated, then which then might we, actually happen. We won't have this problem. <laughs> we won't have this problem. Um, anyway, but uh, we we felt compelled to read a book that made. You know, I don't know if I would necessarily call it terrible on its own if it was just existing in a vacuum, but certainly in the context, con- the yeah. context of the world that we are living in now, <laughs> it is certainly a terrifying book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've just in case you forgot who we were. Uh, this is Paris. Yeah, I'm Chris. Hey, and, and uh, we're back to yeah. talk about some terrible books. Yeah. So starting this... with oh, the God. Art of the Deal by Donald Trump. Yeah, kind of, kind of, a little bit. So it's um, so the art of the deal was uh, published in '87, yeah, and it's 30 years ago by Donald Trump with Tony Schwartz. Um, so I think really how this went down is Tony Schwartz was allowed to listen to all his phone calls and kind of like interview Trump and follow him around a little bit, and then he put all this together based on all the information he had gathered in the most Trumpian way possible. 
Um, True. Uh, there's, there's, there, was, there was a New York oh, Times sorry. article that we looked at, you know, as we were reading this, and that dude doesn't like Trump so much anymore. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I think you you were the one that read more about that angle, so you can talk about how much Tony Schwartz hates Donald Trump now. There's nothing much to talk about except in this New York Times article, he was like, yeah, that dude's a complete sociopath, and I regret writing that book for him and trying to, like, polish a turd. Yeah, I read I'm that not... Um, I read that he was so ashamed at making money from it that he started donating all the, um, uh, God, the, I can't. The royalties he was getting from uh, from the book, like a couple of years ago. Do you re- do you know who he was donating to? Um, to charities. I didn't. Uh, I can't remember specifically, but um, it was a poignant one though. It had something to do with him or his family or something. You know, not that they were involved, but something that affected him or his family. I think. Okay. All um, right. But yeah, he was like, I feel so terrible. I don't want to be associated with this at all. So I'm just gonna donate my royalties. That's so pretty. The- it's pretty. That's pretty bad. Yeah. So this dude definitely uh, did the majority of the writing, for sure, in this book. Um, yeah. and, you know, th- there's something about the tone. It's still very Trumpy to read. It, you he know, did a it good comes job a, in that yeah, sense. It like, comes he off kind of like it. a very extended Trump tweet, perhaps. Like yeah. it does have those vibes and kind of that language and wording. There's a lot of disasters and catastrophes. And, yeah, and you know, he uses some like archaic uh, words that just aren't in common use, like uh, "trebled" instead of "tripled," which it was in '87. I don't know, maybe that yeah. was ye olden times where we still. Had it. <laughs> it was only 30 years ago. I don't. I don't think it was that. And that, that was, was before an... I was born. So as far as I'm concerned, that's the medieval times. Oh, yeah, you're right. Actually, we were both born after that date. That's a bit yep. revealing. Um, in fact, it's actually my birthday in uh, five days. So. Oh well, happy f- uh, pre-birthday to you. <laughs> yeah. I suppose. Oh, well, I thank you. Maybe we can. Pu- maybe this will be published on your birthday. There's your birthday present. Yeah, actually, probably will be. Uh, anyway, back to back to the book at hand here. So, uh, Trump has published a number of books. Um, a, a pretty high, uh, high number, too. Yeah, they're um. So, the art of the deal, I think, was the most famous one. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it became a. It was on the. Yeah, it was actually. I remember reading this. It was on the bestseller list for weeks. Um, I think the New York Times. I just think that like, so there's so many fascinating things that you notice reading this book in the current um, current climate of the United States as yeah, as an American yep, citizen. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> um, there's you, a new context brought upon this book that perhaps wasn't. You know. Yeah. And it's just interesting to me that, you know, at the the bottom, it says there's a there's like a review quote at the bottom of the cover of the one that we have. And it says, Trump makes one believe for a moment in the American dream again, the New York Times. And now you just think about how the New York Times <laughs> treats it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's I mean, amazing. shit, I guess they were fucking right about that for some people. Right. Um, oh, actually, I think my favorite one is the Chicago Tribune on the back says. Donald Trump is a deal maker. He is a deal maker the way lions are carnivores and water is wet. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, that's all he does is make deals. Well, that's In fact, exactly. most of this book is about, you know, as you would expect, it is about him making deals, kind of. Yeah, but then it's, we don't it, hear about anything after the deal is well, made. Well, it kind of reads, to me, I think I told you this before, but it kind of reads to me like a play-by-play of a game of Monopoly that yeah, it really does. That actually concerns like real it. places like and properties. Like a really fucking boring ass game, Monopoly. A boardwalk You're just is like, mentioned oh, Grandpa, a few stop times. Stop buying all this stuff on 
whatever. He's buying up hotels uh, and residencies all the time. He's, you oh, know, shit. going to banks and asking for loans and all. Basically, I think he's literally the top hat from a game of Monopoly or something. Yeah, right? he kind right. of is. Um, <laughs> so. if, if that top hat piece was born from a larger, wealthier top hat, then yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, in so, any yeah, case, it, 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 the book does start with like a little bit of like Trump as a child kind of a thing. And not a whole lot, though. It just kind of glosses over his early childhood, except like my dad and my mom, mostly his dad just owned a business, which was renting properties. So um, I'll, I'll go into a little bit more detail here. I read a bit um, of what Tony Schwartz said about interviewing Trump and how he couldn't sit still for more than a few minutes, couldn't really remember anything from his childhood, and he felt like he was just making stuff up because he couldn't remember. Um, and he told actually, do you want to tell the story about the the music teacher? Oh since, yeah, because th- since that's real might, life for you, <laughs> I guess we have to question the veracity of this now. But this was one of my favorite moments in the book where d- Trump's just talk, or you know, Schwartz as Trump or whatever is talking about growing up in grade school or something. And he was like, one of my favorite moments in school was when I punched my second grade music teacher because I didn't like his taste in music, I believe the reasoning was. No, he said he didn't He didn't think he knew what he was doing. And he was like, yeah, I gave him a black guy. It was great. And I was like, I don't I fucking like to believe see, this. <laughs> I would like to see Trump play any musical instrument at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> And so I really I, need to see if he has like some stellar uh, bluegrass, bluegrass chops underneath something. <laughs> I highly doubt it. Um, I looked it up, and it seems like the the story is not verifiable. Um, someone, so I, I read a lot uh, a lot of articles about like like uh, reviews of the book and about the background on the book from various news sources, credible, you know, like New York Times, The New Yorker. Um, That's fake news. What are you talking about? Yeah, right. That's all fake. Alternative news. Um. Uh, disclaimer here, obviously this is, I, you know, as much as I want to keep politics out of certain things that I do, this is going to be a political episode. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll try not to harp on it too much for those of you that yeah, are let's, fucking sociopaths, but anyway. Um. I'm going to I'm gonna try to focus more on the merits of the book still, yeah. but it's kind of, you can't divorce the reality of Yeah, it's, it's difficult. I mean, we're going to try to focus. Anyway, I was, I was reading some, uh, some other investigations people had done into certain things about the book and yeah the music teacher story is not really verifiable because no one else is around but some people went to great some guy went to great lengths to like actually try to find the teacher and he and he was like yeah i don't that didn't happen <laughs> so, i mean like he actually found this person that was supposed sub, to be teaching I mean, Trump supposedly music? but i could only okay. find one one uh reporter that uh, reported that so who knows but um it doesn't see. I mean, because like people have asked, I think his siblings and stuff, and they were like, "No." <laughs> so I, I don't think it's true. But um, you know, just got to throw in a little extra macho story in there to prove how much of a tough guy he is. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting throughout the book how Trump goes on about his dad and how his dad was. Oh, my dad was such a hard worker, and he's you know this and this, and he he kind of he talks about all of his dad's success and then acts as though his success had nothing to do with it when in fact his success is all a product of his father's influence and 
finances. Yeah, um, he did never really acknowledge it. Like, he he does admit to like, oh, like my dad did help me a little bit with like a starter property or like teaching me how to do things or something. But yeah. he never talked about actual loans that he got because you know at one point he's talking about oh I graduated from military academy and then all of a sudden he's like handling multi million dollar deals out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean the interesting the interesting thing is he uh, do you know do you remember the part of the book where he talks about um swifton village or whatever i mean it's gone through many names bit. but he, right after school he talks about how that was his like he found that and that was his first part no his dad his dad was the one who negotiated who found that property bought it absolutely and trump was not involved at a very high level like he he talks about managing it but like the people who were interviewed who worked there at the time said you know he'd show up and he would they said they did say to his credit that he was fairly helpful he like did some yard work but they said he only came by a couple times a month like he wasn't he was not involved with the management or purchase or the spotting of this deal. It's total bullshit. I mean his dad was the one behind the whole thing. I mean, so that's yeah, clearly the, not true. The impression I get from the entire book is that Trump He's basically just a money handler. He he moves money around that he has for I would profit. Even, I would even say like it's a it's a he's like a money recycler. It, it's like he uh, he uses his father's influence to get loans because no one knew who he was, but everyone knew his dad, and his dad was really close with a lot of politicians in New York City, um, and in a lot of banks because his dad uh, was a. He's frequently uh, taking out loans, and I guess he's, I'm not you know, he's really building sure. properties. And yeah, he was. Well, he uh, he built um, low and middle income housing. Yeah, and that re- obviously required him to interface a lot with um, city government because he got a lot of uh, tax breaks and a lot of yeah. money from the government to create these structures. So he was really tight knit with um, New York City politics. Um, you know, As was Donald's down the right, line, right? Because of, because of his father's influence. So anyway, Donald was able to get all these loans when he was pretty young, like late twenties, early thirties, because of his dad. And he like doesn't really seem to grasp that in the book. Um, yeah, and it's not like the the ghostwriter or anything injected anything else to maybe I don't know smooth mm-hmm. that. It's literally just like. Like I said, one moment he's in military academy, and then he's just making these deals on his own. But I'm like, where did you get thirty million from to renovate right, this place? Right. And 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 the thing is, like he he talks about um, how successful the deals are, but he doesn't. I well, I think at this point, at the point the book was published, this was like in the middle of all this stuff. Um, another thing that annoyed me about this book was. It wasn't written in a linear fashion, and it was oh, it bounced all. around, and I kept getting confused about what. I was like, "Wait, did this already happen? Is this like it, what's yeah, going it on?" Yeah, the way it was, it fo- it, it's like each chapter is an individual project in the various steps and deals that this one project or building or hotel or casino or whatever the focus of the chapter is on. You know how that went down, and I think that honestly is a better way to look at it because if you're trying to chronologically, you know place all these deals at the same time um it, it would be tough to uh, you know figure out how much money trump has at any one point versus how much he's in debt to someone else honestly i think i think that's one of the reasons that he managed to like scam people basically for the as long as he has um so basically I, I would talk about him recycling money because what he would do is he'd get a loan fix up a place, and then after a few years, go bankrupt, file for, what, a class 11 bankruptcy, which is a reorganization bankruptcy, uh, go through a reorg, which 
really only hurts the employees. They they yeah. lose their retirement savings. Um and, and you know a lot of other things. Somet- sometimes the employees lost their jobs, but usually it was like a, oh, you thought you had a four hundred one k? No, fuck you, because this institution is bankrupt. Um, he's gone through four bankruptcies. You could break it up into like six or eight, but I think four none, is more reasonable. Um, n- none of this is mentioned in the book, by the way. Like basically, well, it all happens after the book is published. Exactly, and like the, the the idea of the book is like pretty much like eight or so different projects that he, you know, oh, this all ended up wonderfully for me, and I built these things, and they looked beautiful, and all, even yeah, the and press was, loved them. And it was all everybody stuff loved that he had, me. Please love me. Yeah, Please and it love was, me. I'm Donald Trump. <laughs> and it was all stuff that he had just finished, so you know time was not able to tell what was going to happen and um yeah i mean the only the only like redeeming things in the book really uh was that weird mortgage incident with that old lady and her farm and the wallaston rink project which was great for the city and he did do it on time didn't fuck it up but he only did it to anger the mayor like yeah he, he does a lot of things out of just pettiness spite, and spite which yeah. is hilarious because very early on in the book he lists out these like oh 11 steps to like making deals good or something oh, yeah, like, be cool. and it's, like the, it's like the only thing in there that's like kind of giving advice at all or like laying out a plan or anything like that and one of them is like oh don't hold grudges it's a waste of time and then every single other chapter he's like i went after that motherfucker because he called me a weird name one time yeah there's I mean, literally at one point where he's like i and speak to this man for a year because he said something bad about a building. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to find his 11 steps because I, I do kind of want to talk about how he doesn't actually... Uh, and, and mind you, like, there might be some business insight yeah, yeah, yeah. hidden in this book. In the, There is one part where he's like, I think every businessman should be adaptable and on his toes and able to juggle a lot of things at once. And, like, and that's yeah, true, sure. Yeah, that's totally fine. And uh, he must have... like. He, so, he must have people working for him to balance me. all these budget sheets well, and or that's, something. And that's the other thing that I wanted to talk about that he just doesn't mention. That he, he talks a couple of times about his assistant and about uh, some other lady that works for him. I think the Sunshine Lady, um, her last name, Louise Sunshine, it's literally yeah. her last name. He talks about a couple of people that work for him, but he never really talks about like the fact that they run his business. I mean, because at this point... You know, he's handling, I mean, millions and millions of dollars, all these properties. Like, he obviously has a huge team of people doing this. So, and yet he's here taking all the credit for all these deals and all this all this wonderful shit happening. And it's like, you can't sit there and take all the credit when your team is doing the work. I mean, he does seem to make a lot of phone calls. That seems to be pretty much all he does is yeah. he makes phone calls at people. And he oh, makes and the I right the, phone calls at the right time. I have a glass of tomato juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, oh yeah, I totally believe that. After all of his tweets about him eating a taco salad or McDonald's, I totally believe you're having a glass of tomato juice. Yeah, I thought that maybe was in funny. the '80s. Maybe in the '80s, maybe. he was having. Oh, you know, a little um, something to bring him down. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, no, so his his eleven things are uh, think big. Uh huh. Of course, he. I mean, he certainly um, thought big to get where he is today. Protect the downside, and the upside will take care of itself. Maximize Re- your options. Uh huh. Know your market. Yep. Use your leverage. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Enhance your location. Yes, of course. Um. Get the word out. Yep. Fight back. 
Fight back is a pretty key one. In uh, that. Deliver the goods, contain the costs, and have fun. Yeah, have fun is the last one, which so, is, I guess at this point, that's all anyone in America can do, right? We all just got to have fun. Yeah, you know. Everybody have fun. Just just don't speak out against yeah. any part of the government or you might be jailed, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. We're like a weekend right now. So. <laughs> yeah, it's not going well. Um, that, that, yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> it's not, it's not going that's well. when this is being recorded. It's about a weekend and uh, shit doesn't look great. But <laughs> let's yeah. keep on topic here. Um, Sorry. So, um, like I said, the only things that could even be skewed as altruistic that he did in this book were, um, I don't know, he like, I don't know how he even found out about this lady it was a news story, and he he just wanted oh, right. to be rich guy swoops in and save the family yeah. farm. Yeah, so this somewhere. lady, yeah, this lady. All right, so uh, this woman and her husband, they're elderly. Uh, they had a farm. Oh, she just, I forget where, somewhere in the Midwest. I'm sorry, yeah. I can't remember. Um, her name was Mrs. Hill. Anyway, they're they were struggling. They're the bank was about to foreclose on their house, and so th- her husband, in a moment of um brilliance decided oh i'll commit suicide and my life insurance will cover everything yeah yep. life insurance doesn't cover suicide uh-huh so yep. that, that's a key point probably so gotta... she was yeah so she and her son i think were just like shit out of luck and we're gonna get foreclosed on yep um and but then trump saw the story he uh got together with his radio buddy i forget who it was don imus don imus thank you thank you i only know that that because i listened to the howard stern show a lot as a teenager and he would always talk about don imus thank you um yeah so don imus and um i forget a couple other people raised money they were able to raise a fair amount of money and then interestingly in the book trump says oh and i guaranteed i'd pay the rest myself um it's a half truth in the end there was uh seventy eight thousand dollars left and trump paid half and a rich texan named um tom mckaney paid the other half so he probably made a deal with that that you know yeah uh so he doesn't mention in the book he says he paid uh the rest of what was owed but actually he and a wealthy texan split it so i mean he still paid you know what like 40 I don't know, 40, eh, 37 40, grand, yeah, 37 that, grand towards some random pittance. lady's mortgage. That is a pittance to for him. Good. Yeah. And, and again, it's like, it's not really altruistic. He just, like you said, he just wanted to be the rich guy that swoops in and saves the family farm. That's, that's absolutely what he wanted to do because yeah. you know, he, he was talking about like taking huge page ads in the New York times in this book. Like Trump's MO is being in the public eye and wanting mm-hmm. people to like him weirdly mm-hmm. enough. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that. And in this book, he lays out basically what he did for his entire campaign for presidency. Yep. I mean, it's, it fucking worked, though, didn't it, though, it's Paris? It's uncanny. Yeah, it, it fucking did. worked, though. So maybe there's something here. It did. But I think not because not because he was particularly intelligent, but because most people are so willing to accept things at face value and not do any research on statements um, from public figures or the media. So I mean I'm putting this or, I'm putting the onus on on the American people here. <laughs> or uh, Trump or, pleased some like he freed some ancient voodoo spirit from like <laughs> the depths of some like building that he tore up the yeah, foundation yeah, for. Yeah, he, he he found and a, he, <laughs> he pleased this ancient deity so much that he just bestowed luck on Trump forever, and he's yeah. using that for for evil at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
So, sorry. And then the the other thing that would be considered a good project of Donald Trump was the Woman Rink Project, which was um this fucking New York City f- basically fucked it big time. They were supposed to renovate this uh, famous skating rink in New York City, the Woman Rink, because uh, it was it had fallen into disrepair. You know, oops, sorry, I just bumped the mic. And they had fucked it up for years, literally years. They kept dumping money into it and fucking it up and fucking it up. And so Donald Trump was like, oh, this is a great opportunity to piss off the mayor that I hate that's not giving me what I want. And B, make it look like private enterprise can Trump um, Uh government. Can Trump Trump government. um, I didn't even mean that as a pun. That's just (laughs) just a word I use. Oh, funny. Anyway. I think he like also wanted to do it because it was like outside of one of his office windows or something. Like he yeah. could see it. Yeah, exactly. Just, he could see it, it and it would annoy him or something. He does have a weird thing about aesthetics. Like he cares yeah. about how things look. He's very into the optics of things and making sure that at least a facade of something looks very beautiful and opulent and, and nice. Yeah, that's true. Like um, pretty much he, every he makes a lot of des- design decisions about like what rock is used to build his towers and stuff. And like he seemed to care about that a whole lot. Well, yeah, because he knows that that's what most people, like I said, people take things at face value, and he he knows that, and he uses that to his advantage. I mean, he, uh, he says it himself. I mean, anyway, sorry. Back to the Woman Ring Project. Anyway, Trump did, in fact, take over the project, completed it under budget, under time frame, did a wonderful job with it, all things told. Um, I think the... Uh, so, you know, that made him look really good to uh, prospective, you know, business partners or whatever. B- banks and people, other, yeah. you know, investors or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, to say one thing, Trump certainly did build some stuff and like th- that provided functions to people. And oh, we're going to talk about his buildings. I know. At, at least the rink, you know, stayed up. For, uh, oh, yeah, I, the I rink was, was fine. I mean, there was nothing wrong with the rink. Um I don't think there's anything structurally wrong with any of his buildings. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, they stay up. They're not. (laughs) I love how this is your greatest defense. (laughs) You know, his buildings stay up. They don't don't collapse in on each other. I actually have something, by the way. And we're both like, yeah, good point. Yeah. Remind me later on to that that kind of circles around uh, a a thing I want to reveal to you at the end of this podcast. Oh, I think I have some some reveals for you, too. So, okay, well, at the very end of this, I'm going to I'm going to do my grand M. Night Shyamalan reveal of what I think is happening after (laughs) after reading this. Wait, it's more than the fucking uh, voodoo god. I'm going to tear the fucking roof off of everything at the end of this podcast, Paris. Just you wait. I'm crying. Okay. Just you wait. We'll get to anyway, it. But. Anyway, um, so anyhow, <laughs> Trump's buildings quite structurally sound. They do, uh, in fact, stay up. They I mean, are made out of. They aren't made out of paper mache and sticks and glue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did. You know, in all, in all my readings, I did. I did not see anything about structural integrity but i wasn't looking for it so who knows uh, to be any- fair you know it's not like trump was building this himself he was hiring contractors right and right at some point contractors you hire are gonna do the job i'm assuming he wasn't yeah. really skimping out on contractors that much like he oh, wasn't yeah? Talk- yeah do you know I mean, do you know about I'm- the construction of trump tower and the 200 illegal polish workers that he hired oh, oh please your people 
please tell me. Please enlighten um, me. Yeah, so there was a huge group, 200 um, Polish construction workers who were all illegal. They were not citizens. Um, and they, they worked mm-hmm. without hard hats, mm-hmm. which made that- them very obvious to everyone. And yet the Trump management team was like, oh, we didn't know they were illegal. And they, they actually got away with it. I think I think they I think the case either got settled or dropped. Um because some someone prosecuted him for using illegal labor. I sorry, I can't remember the exact details, but the internet exists. Well for now. Go go yeah. look it up. Um, go look it up quick. Yeah. Uh, so it's really interesting to hear that he was yeah, you know, well, uh, it, he tried to distance of, himself from it and say, oh, it was the contract. It's like, fuck you. You fucking knew. Like, everybody there's, knew. There's a lot of Polish contractors out there that, that you know, my, my folk, my people do a lot of business there. My, I have family members that are all over that kind of a thing. Yeah, and it's so. and it's interesting because in the testimony, or I'm not sure if it was official testimony, but when questioned about, about the illegal workers and how everyone, even like the general public was like, oh yeah, the guys without hard hats, yeah, the illegals. Mm, um, I wonder who. <laughs> yeah, it, apparently it was like super obvious to everyone based on visual cues and, and just work habits and whatnot. We they can see him, the kielbasa sandwiches and the, the pierogies uh, yeah, yeah. in their lunch boxes. We know <laughs> just, what's going on here. There's, there's a trail of pierogies <laughs> up to the steel beams. <laughs> anyway. There's no hiding this around for anybody, man. Uh, anyway. Oh, God. Um, Sorry. So when asked about it, he said, oh, I rarely visited the site. Yet in his book, he talks about how he's he's always he's always he's always visiting his projects daily, always there, making sure everything's done right. And it's like, well, which one is it? Uh, Uh, Whichever one is the better answer right now. Yes, that's correct. Um, And so anyway, after the success of the Woolman Rink project, uh, he uses his daddy's influence and some of his daddy's money and daddy's bank connections to finance the building of Trump Tower. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty huge deal. You know, there's like billions of dollars wrapped up in it, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, In 80s so, money. Uh, I think converted... I, I read something about the conversion. It's some something point... Some singular number point, some singular number billion in today's money. So yeah, billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, anyway, and he, he talks about how wonderful it is and blah, 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 and how 100,000 people a week visit it, and it's a leading tourist attraction in New York City. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. New York I, City has so many attractions. How on earth would Trump Tower be one of the top ones? Yeah, I drove so, by Trump Tower in New York recently. I mean, it, it's, it's a nice-looking entrance and whatever, like he says, but I didn't see, like, 100,000 people milling in and out of it. Like, yeah, so I was like, I don't believe that, so... I tried to do a little research. Unfortunately, it's kind of difficult to get um, information on a fact like that from 30 years ago. How many but people entered this building 30 years ago? Yeah, Please cur- tell me, Internet. But currently, I think on on Yelp, it's listed as 141 on the list of tourist attractions. So I don't think being 141st on a list is... The top. I'm pretty sure there's like a couple of hot dog stands that beat him out. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and the interesting Just thing is like. Just a dude with a cart saying, you want a hot dog? Like more visitors than Trump Tower. Glob <laughs> galash. Uh, yeah. No. So, um, and if you think about it, in the last year or so, it, it's actually had increased visitation because yeah. of his presidency and well because the campaign yes. and his presidency. So, I mean, and now with the height of popularity in 2017, it's 140. 41st so like i 
I just have a hard time believing that figure. But again, it's unverifiable. Before then, there was a piss stain in Grand Central Station that got more traffic than Trump Tower. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, oh, yeah. Actually, I think the hotel was before Trump Tower. Sorry. This fucking book is There were many place. hotels. There, there was like the, the Commodore yeah, there, was his first big one. I'm yeah, sorry. That, I missed yeah. The Commodore was, his, was the thing where he used his dad's money influence and whatever to renovate this hotel. Then he got Trump Tower. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I mean, again, it's really hard to say exactly when the deals were taking place. And the Commodore one was interesting because it was one of the times where he, like, had to have two separate investors on. Like, he didn't get anyone to commit until another person had committed. So he had to, like, half get people to say they would get the money together for something and try to trick one of them to say it first so the other one would come in, too. Right. Or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, he was like, I can't get a loan until I have the city's agreement, and I can't get the city's agreement until I have a loan. So, like, uh, he showed the bank a piece of paper, or or the city, a piece of paper that only he had signed, and they just didn't notice that the other signature from, I forget if it was the bank or... I think it was the bank. Like, wasn't there. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's how I make deals. You know, it's just that's you got to be that way to. Well, and the and the so a couple of interesting facts. So um, he he talks a lot in the book about all these tax breaks he gets. I mean, and yeah, he is very aggressive in getting tax breaks from from any city that he's dealing with, whether it's like New Jersey, Atlantic City or New York City. Right. He's he's always talking about getting special just for him yeah, tax abatements think, for like doing such a wonderful thing for the right. city. I'm yeah. helping the city prosper. Yeah. You should be giving me a tax benefit. Yeah, basically his logic is, well, I'm building this thing. It's going to give people jobs. It's going to provide work for construction. So I shouldn't have to pay taxes for X number of years or only at X percent because the city is getting something out of my building. Um, however, this means that he is not paying taxes on multi-million dollar properties. Like, it's, it's insane. Money generating properties. Yeah. I mean, he talks frequently about how much money he's saving and everything and it, and it's absurd. And I mean, I think people need to, need to realize like tax dollars go to the government to help the government, you know, pay for things like roads and social programs by saying that that's getting offset because some people have a job for a little while is just doesn't make sense. Um, I think it, I think it you'll, can make I mean, sense. You'll find some... a lot of people that say like, "Oh, the government shouldn't take any of my money because it's what right. I've earned." But and I, I really ha- I, again, I'm not trying to be super political in here, but I am of the mind that past a certain point, money doesn't have so much utility for you. You can only buy so many clothes, so much food. Right. You can only live in so many places at once. So a high tax rate on multi-billion dollar deals and income makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and I just it, I just think it benefit it benefits more people in the long run. Um but anyway, I mean our our views aside, yeah, that's it, just, it's a little crazy. Um basically, you know, citizens are <laughs> paying footing the bill because those tax dollars aren't coming in as from... we are about to for a giant wall apparently. Oh, fuck me. I just oh, You get man. get ready for $5 avocados. I dude, I love avocados. I eat them all the time. $10 Cholula hot sauce. Ugh. The tequila is going to be like $50. Yeah, I'm not excited about this anyway. Um any anyhow, in 1989 there was a view, review done on <laughs> Trump's business by New York City's Auditor General, and she described his accounting as aberrant and distorting. (laughs) 
And that sounds like the description for were, like a dark energy Dungeons and Dragons spell, not an accounting booklet. Yeah, and so she found that they were he and I think his brother was working with him at the time. But they were uh, def- they definitely owed a bunch of money because they were cooking the books. <laughs> was that um, Robert Trump? I think so because the other or, one was dead right or, yeah fred or it, it it honey i believe as donald oh, apparently Christ. likes to call robert yeah that's from time weird. To, there that's was a weird. weird moment in the book where don says robert my brother is the only man i'll ever call honey um, and i was i had to like kind of look at it and be like uh, all right yeah i have no explanation that's, and the that's thing adorable is, like, i guess well he doesn't really give any explanation for it it's yeah it's weird. just kind of there he's just like he's talking about his brother robert he's like he's the only dude i'd ever call honey and i'm like oh that's cute you monster <laughs> yeah um i mean we can also talk about he and his father's history of racism when it comes to their uh their buildings that they owned or and or managed uh is this the one where he like oh i totally brought in these homeless veterans out of my own (laughs) generosity that was that's a different i'm actually gonna talk about the swifton village thing um okay well that's a different thing (laughs) i guess the swifton village incident was more his dad than him because like i said he wasn't super involved um yeah at least he didn't go into much detail about what exactly he was doing yeah, uh, but then later on when he owned, oh God, what was that? It was these two uh, one hundred Central Park South. Um, yeah, it was like then, Fifth, Fifth Avenue properties that he like rebuilt and had to fight against like people that didn't want him to re- tear up the whole tower and redo it. And well, because he loves evicting people so that private investors can put up buildings. He talks so about that he how can great get rid of rent control specifically, yeah. so he can mm-hmm. get he can get around rent control. Yeah, he talks about the evils of rent control and shit and what, whatever, whatever. I'm just going to talk about the whole racism thing. So the Swifton Village case, um, the U.S. Justice Department brought a case against Fred Trump uh, because basically this uh, this guy and his wife, black couple, went to uh, interview for an apartment. They didn't get it. And they sensed that something was wrong. Um, so they went to, God, I can't remember if it's called like the... I don't know, center for, I don't know, some urban housing. I don't know. There, there was some like, kind of like the, um, some agency or yeah, some agency, some agency that, sorry, I should have, should have written this down. Uh, some agency that does social justice kind of work and Those they fucking SJW. No, no. <laughs> Jesus. So anyway, the agency sent in four black couples and four white couples to look at apartments and all four black couples got denied all four white couples got accepted Hmm. um and basically what they found was that what they were doing was lying about available apartments when they'd interview black people um and then when when white people interviewed they'd be like oh yeah we have all these open and and there's some anecdotal evidence um saying that like they only rented certain apartments to black people or like not at all i mean that's and, like scumbag landlord move oh yeah yeah that's i mean like, and and like it, basically it was that it was that case and i think uh it seems like a couple other times they got sued um and all the suits just ended in settlement and compliance which means that they probably got a little money like the couples probably got a little money and then they were able to rent the apartment like they should have right yeah. yeah um and the talking to you know or i guess um reading about what old employees had to say was interesting um i can't remember if this please, was at, this was at please swift- pr- please proceed <laughs> i can't remember if this was at swifton village or at 100 central park south but um 
former managers and administrators and stuff that worked at the property said that the applicants, the uh, sorry, the applications for apartments were secretly coded for race before they were turned in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that the manager could look at it and go, oh, it's a black guy. I could throw this you, away. You want to really, you know, it's streamline insane. and I- institutionalize the racism so that everything just goes by quickly and smoothly, you know? Yeah. Um, or like they'd only forward certain applications to a manager, you know, if it was a yeah, once white, again, wealthy the, couple, whatever. The classic move. Yeah. Um, anyhow. Sorry, you were you were talking about his contradiction with his homeless people thing. So this was, I think, um, for 100 Central Park South, which actually had a, like a bunch of rich tenants or something. Like he, Donald, he in the book during this chapter, he's like, these tenants were all rich people anyway. They were living for pennies in rent-controlled apartments that could have been used by you know New Yorkers you with less income. You know what? Shit, I didn't even look into that. To see if any of that was true about all the people that he named. Because he named some pretty big-name celebrities. Yeah, there was, like, singers and stuff like that. I think fucking uh, what, what, Liberace at one point. He was, like, yeah, he lives in a, yeah. an apartment of mine or something like that. And and it, it just struck me as weird that his whole plan was to get around the rent control to charge more rent. But he, then he's calling out these people to be like, well, some other poor New Yorker could live here, but you're about to fucking tear it down. <laughs> yeah. So that you can't – they can't do that. And then early, like in the same chapter, at one point he was like, I would never take advantage of the city's homeless for my own means. And then like two pages, literally two <laughs> literally pages later. Literally two pages later. He's like, I started offering, you know, empty rooms that I couldn't sell to homeless veterans for free. Totally not just because I wanted to make the suburban type white people get a little scared. Well, no, like, he didn't. He didn't actually do it. He was talking about the fact that yeah. he wanted to. Um, or maybe, hang on. Um, I think he actually, I'm pretty sure he actually did it, dude. Hang on, hang on. I'll read the quote. So, uh, page 259, he's, he's talking about um, slumlords. He says, They import truckloads of junkies, prostitutes, and thieves and move them into vacant apartments to terrorize, hold out tenants. That's what I call a harassment. And then he goes on about how terrible it is. And then two pages later. Um, I'm pretty sure the difference to him is that he was housing homeless veterans. I think that's what I remember reading. I could be wrong, but he he just made some really like hair splitting distinction between like how he was letting people homeless people in, and not that like oh how dare he offer housing to the homeless, but you just know his reasoning is disingenuous and from bad faith just right. by reading this book. Uh yeah shit I can't oh, fuck ah uh, um I mean people oh yeah, could always- yeah, yeah wait. Nothing generated as much controversy as my offer to provide housing for the homeless at 100 Central Park South. By the summer of 1982, about a year after I took over the building, the problem of the homeless in New York was beginning to get a lot of attention. One morning, after passing several homeless people sleeping on benches in Central Park, I got an idea. I had more than a half, more than a dozen vacant apartments at 100 Central Park South. Because I still planned to demolish the building, I had no intention of filling the apartments with permanent residents. Why not, I thought, offer them to the city for use by the homeless on a temporary basis. <laughs> Almost this immediately, is, the columnists and... two pages yeah, later. Yeah, it's sorry, three, two and a half or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it was, anyway. Yeah, so he's, basically he, he, he's like... All these slumlords, they'll move in prostitutes and junkies and degenerates to scare out the regular tents. I'd never do that two pages later. You know, I'm thinking about moving in the homeless. <laughs> it's like, I mean, he and just, not to, just, he and doesn't not have, to equate all homeless people with being prostitutes and junkies. Don't get me wrong. That's not what we're but, talking about. We're, ta- we're not talking about whether it's right to house these people or not. We're just talking about this dude said one thing two 
pages ago, moments ago, and then reversed his stance almost immediately. I know. I think you misunderstood what I said. I said, I don't want to say that I'm equating all homeless people with junkies and prostitutes. No. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but but to to the um, audience he's talking about, these like bougie white people, they, they it's, often it's, it's see the them the same thing. way. Yeah. It's the same thing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so a lot of controversy with his management of properties and his policies about eviction and race and whatever. Um, there but, one, you know, like different chapter that was like handling a different kind of business other than real estate property was his uh, USFL dealings oh, that in was which fucking he was boring. trying to start, he was trying to start a competing football league with the NFL I mean, yeah, the I mean AFL, neither of us neither of us were alive at this time so I have no fucking I didn't even know there was another competing oh, oh yeah there was like you know the AFL and the NFL are still kind of things now and they used to be competing leagues but they just kind of joined forces under the umbrella of the NFL at a certain point and that was already that had already happened by the time Trump brought up the USFL which was just his, you know a bunch of other rich investors trying to start up their own football league and you know people can do this all the time it you know it, it you can start up for sports leagues if you have enough money to you know pay for a team and pay for you know equipment and all these kinds right, of things right. but he was trying to talk about oh i'm fighting back against the evil nfl monopoly that is overtaking everything <laughs> and he tried to like make it out yeah. as this like crusade as of the underdog when yeah. it's just two it's just two really rich organizations fighting for dominance over a sport like they weren't going to share it <laughs> Trump wasn't going to share it with the NFL. Yeah, and the whole thing was just about all the, you know, the team owners making money. I mean, I know Trump talks a little bit about the nostalgia of, like, owning his own team. You know, he felt like that really meant that he made it. But in the end, I mean, they just wanted to make money on a sports team. It's just, like, like, it's only... The only thing that's different about it when I said it was different is literally just the content of what is being traded and bought yeah it's, and honestly it's people it's it's you know it's it's football uh, players instead i felt of like, i felt bored to fucking tears because i i'm just not into sports i never really have been and i i was actually fine with all the like real estate and yeah that's uh, interesting to me like i have yeah. you know some dealings in real estate myself and it's interesting to read about these high level deals about giant oh, yeah, you buildings some, you get some dealings chris I, I'm involved in, you know, things, yeah. not huge buildings that I'm building or whatever, but I, I, real estate interests me on some level. Yeah. Yeah. You and got I some, like, you got some family interests in real estate, but nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing the like. Uh, yeah. I'm not, Trump. I'm not constructing towers or apartment buildings or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm sure I'm forgetting some shit, but, uh, I did, I did a little research on his family and, Namely, like, his dad and grandfather, and um, I don't know if you remember this, but when he was campaigning for president, he was always mentioning his uncle, who was a professor at MIT. Yeah, And I how smart that. he was because his genetics. Uh, yeah, like, well, I, w- I was actually surprised to find out that he did have uh, Uncle John Trump, who was yeah, a, a professor at MIT. Yeah, that's a real dude. Um, and he actually he did a lot of good work. Uh, he worked yeah. on x-rays, cancer treatment, um, and he even studied... Uh, the consequences of improper sewage management at Deer Island in Boston. So um, 
I, I found a lot of neat information about John Trump. Um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, yeah, not I everyone mean, <laughs> in the family is always, you know, totally heinous. There's probably always one or two people that do end up doing some good. Oh, no, no, no. I, I just, I honestly kind of thought he had made him up. I didn't think he was oh, Really? You, you just yeah. thought he's like tried to slip one by everyone? Yeah. Well, that's what he does with everything else and it works. So I was I, like, I, oh. I guess. Like, oh, no one's um, ever going to look up my brother from, or my uncle from MIT rather. But yeah, yeah. I, I, that sounds like a thing he wouldn't make up on his own. Like I feel like Trump would go even grander than that if, he, like, he would yeah. start talking about like how he invented some crazy physics thing. Well, or... he actually does. Um, in a couple of interviews, he said, "My brother, uh, or my sorry, I'm not my brother. My my uncle invented uh, nuclear before it was nuclear, which isn't oh. true." New, new... <laughs> Nuclear John Trump stuff predated was... Oppenheimer and <laughs> yeah, Albert Einstein. Exactly, yeah, and obviously that's not true, but he that's what he that's his I, lie. I wonder if John level. Trump heard that and he was like, What do you fuck oh, don't drag me into this? No, I think he died a while he's dead now, I think. Oh, um, I think well. he died quite some time ago, but um I, I I know he's dead now. I'm. I can't remember the date of his death, but uh, anyway, I did. Some... You don't have to remember specific death dates, Paris. <laughs> like it's fine. I did some investigation just on his family history because I was interested um, to see what his experience was with immigration and stuff, like how far back. And his grandfather was an immigrant um, yep. from Germany, and actually the family name was uh, Drumpf. It was D R U M P H. As last uh, week tonight publicized, very you know I'm sure every liberal ever has heard that one by now because of last week tonight. No, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't watch? Oh, it's the John Oliver HBO. It's the ever. John Oliver HBO series. Basically, he just started being the Daily Show after the Daily Show. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I know that exists. I'm just saying I haven't seen this thing you're talking about. Oh no! Like halfway into the campaign, um, he John Oliver broke. You know, he told that story about how he the surname of the family used to be Drumpf, and there was a whole hashtag campaign about like make Drumpf again or get rid of Drumpf or something like oh, that. Oh wow! I. T- <laughs> Totally you are that. so disconnected <gasps> yeah, from s- I, some aspects. Well, of- the thing is, like, I don't, I don't have a lot of time to watch TV and shit. So, like, I pick and choose just a couple of things here yeah, and there. You know, as do we all have our lives to deal with and whatnot. Yeah. And like, not that I'm like chastising you for not keeping up on what's hot on Twitter nowadays. National Park Service is fucking hot. Yeah. <laughs> Miriam Webster. There's a Leslie fuck. Nope out there somewhere, yeah. Paris, and she's just <laughs> anyway. a real life Leslie Nope is out there somewhere. <laughs> uh, anyhow, anyway, I just did a little research, and I was I was really surprised to find that his grandfather was an immigrant, and yet he has these really outdated ideas about immigration. Again, I think it's more of a racist well, thing. I know, think that we, whenever people talk probably about like, he, like, well, his grandfather came here legally and stuff like that because yeah, Trump has never talked about throwing out people that have come here legally or what have you. His, his well, the interesting is, thing about when his father, when his grandfather came here, there was no illegal immigration. Yeah, that's the other thing. It was, like, um, there, it was just kind of you came a lot more open ended. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was not the process it is now. So. Anyway, um, that's the way of people that, you know, have never really had to work for their successes. They're just going to pull up the ladder behind them. Yeah. Because, you know, why let other people? Right. Uh, anyway, his grandfather ran a number of restaurants and brothels. <laughs> and, Sick. Uh, awesome. Uh, that's All right. how he made his money. Um, and so, you know, eventually had Fred. That's uh, how you start. You know, that's how you start up the family empire. Look at that. You yep. know, Grandpa Trump starts, you know, pimping out a little bit, <laughs> owning some brothels, being the little finger in like, you know, yeah. 1800s America. Uh, three generations later, 
his orange grandson leads the <laughs> free world. Um, That's all yeah, you have to do with man is just start a brothel and three generations down the line, people will remember your name. Yeah, and there's some there's some controversy over whether or not his uh, grandfather or father was part of a KKK rally because um, he was listed as someone that got arrested during the rally. Um, as be- sorry, I can't remember if it was father or grandfather. Um, I think it was his father actually, which doesn't surprise me in the least. Yeah, well. Um, yeah, yeah. So his father was arrested as part of a KKK riot in Queens in 1927, um, and documents are. It's like most agree he was arrested at because he was part of the protests but his family has just said oh no he he was just there he was just a- nearby and got arrested yeah i don't know uh, i was just going to the store for some milk and i just decided to take a shortcut through this clan meeting and all of a sudden all you know i'm just wrapped up in this you guys like i this was just my shopping bag it's not a hood at all yeah, yeah I, so i don't know if he was cloaked in the appropriate attire or not yeah but, you know that's um it just it just does seem that there's a whole lot of evidence pointing to some fuckery in that area yeah. of the family, basically. Yeah, I mean, weirdly, the book does not talk about, like, he doesn't ogle any women or anything in it. He talks about how great women are and how they're... Yeah, there's a they're, whole paragraph where he's like, some women I know are the best business people I ever knew. And like, okay, cool. That's, yeah, I mean... But then again, how much of was that was of, of that was actual Trump and not ghostwriter smoothing some shit over? Well, and how much, well, how much of that was also just like him trying to make headway in a world where women were gaining more ground in the late 80s and early 90s um you know in in uh, yeah a pa- i'm not gonna judge him by a paragraph in a book i'm gonna judge him by how he treats people exactly uh so i think i think with all the stuff we've seen since then yeah he's a, he seems like he's pretty despicable to women um yeah, so well, that's uh, a thing but but it doesn't show up in the book so like like you were saying if if we were to analyze this book in a vacuum like if you don't know anything about his uh failures in real estate and like where where he got all his money from and that he's lying about a lot of shit like the book you'd probably just be like eh, it's like another self-help book whatever it's yeah, just as shitty, like, it's just okay, as shitty it's, and average as any other self-help book once again it's a play-by-play of a game of monopoly where one yeah. player had like a very distinct advantage out, out front. I will say that in, in my research, I did find something out that helped me understand his mindset. And it doesn't make me feel better <laughs> about anything, but it helps me understand and it helps me be able to rationalize, um, not, not, not in an acceptance way, but just to really like break it down and understand how Donald Trump thinks about things. How, and, how did you unlock the mystery of Trump? As he has promised to unlock the mysteries of space at his inaugural address, which if he doesn't, <laughs> I will be very disappointed. Bring me aliens. Um, he literally anyway. said we will unlock the mysteries of space if his Gent album doesn't come out by 2018. Yeah. I'm demanding my Petraean money back. <sighs> anyway. Uh, so I found out that his father used to take him to the Reverend Peel's church. The Reverend Peel made famous by his book, The Power of Positive Thinking. Uh Um, So his whole life, Trump had this mindset that basically it's like the will to power. You know, it's like if you believe it, it will become true. So he he kind of, it's all, it honestly, it almost is 
Oh, this weird magical sense where like if you speak it, it will be, you know, like, you know, you put, that you book, put it you know out there. Book, do you remember that book, The Secret, that was popular a couple years ago? Uh, I don't know what it's about, though. There was a very popular health, health, self-help book called The Secret that was making the rounds on talk shows and media and everything yeah. about three years ago. It was basically that. Just like think about it real hard in your mind, visualize it, and you can make it real. Which is there's validity in the psychological aspect of visualizing a goal that you have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not advocating for, you know, total nihilism or anything, but... Uh, I do think Trump has taken this idea of positive thinking to the extreme, whereby he he's not saying, I believe in myself, I can do this, these are all the positive things that are happening to make this goal happen. He just lies about things. He just says... He is the yeah. positive. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, that's a, that's true, that's the thing. Of course it would work out for me because I'm me. Yeah, and it's, it's a really skewed way... Of and the viewing. ancient voodoo god Pashturga bestows <laughs> yeah. upon me his great. <laughs> yeah, I mean it does feel like that sometimes, but um, that's yeah that that is where his logic and reasoning comes from, which, like I said, does help me understand that, and, and because it's you know it's worked this whole time. Whether whether he understands that the roots of of his success are it definitely in his did. dad. I will say uh, that I am also a very powerful supporter of the power of positive thinking. I really do legitimately believe in that being a legitimate thing that you should people should do, honestly. Yeah, but I mean, but, I guess when it results in this, I don't know so much anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, this is an extreme skewed uh version of that philosophy and yeah, I don't I don't recommend um just lying about things and pretending that they're true. That's not, you know, that's But if but if you not, do, you get to be president though. Yeah. Well, if you and do and you also start out with millions of dollars in political and social true. influence. Yeah, you, you know, that that helps too, but Yeah, there's there's a lot more to it than just positive thinking. Oh, and being a white dude. Yep, that's going to help. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that's all we have to talk about in terms of the content of this book, honestly. Because uh, yeah, like yeah. Uh, unless you really need to read about specific passages of how many millions were made for what deal or whatever, and what petty reasoning he had for doing it, yeah. then go ahead and read this book. But I, I need to bring back to the thing I mentioned before, Paris. So we're about to wrap this up. Oh yeah, and you're gonna blow my fucking mind. Uh, I think I'm going to. So, do you remember as you read this book a lot of the time? Mm-hmm. It was the '80s. You know, there was a lot of construction still going on in New York at the time. Yeah. And he keeps mentioning the thing a lot of the time. Whether whatever city he's in, he likes things to be grand and opulent and like the best in their field. He especially likes building the tallest building anywhere, doesn't he? He mentions yeah. it a couple mm-hmm. of times. If you remember yep. that, right? Yep, I do. And he even wanted to be the tallest building in New York at certain points. And I think he might have been at, like, he claims to have been the tallest building somewhere. I forget if it was New York or not. Yeah, he he did claim that. Yeah. Anyway, also in the book, we see a lot, like, even in this book, he mentions he has Soviet people that he deals with from time to time yeah he d- he does talk about his russian connections and yeah, uh, he, he was supposed he, to build a hotel in moscow but i don't yeah, think that ever happened it, he talks about that a little bit yeah doesn't he so yeah trump um you know loves tall buildings he's a very petty man that doesn't like to be crossed when something doesn't go his way he has soviet ties um okay. i want to ask you i want to ask you a question paris oh sorry what i want to ask you a question sure do you know who the first person to call George Bush after 9-11 was? Vladimir Putin. <laughs> it was indeed. It was indeed, Paris. 
I know. I remembered that. <laughs> Trump yes. did 9-11. <laughs> what? As revenge for not having the tallest buildings in New York. It was co-orchestrated by him and Vladimir Putin providing resources to the Saudis. I think, I mean, I actually Spray thought... Spray tan can melt steel beams, Paris, okay? I thought, I thought you were actually going to blow my mind with the fact... I thought you were going to talk about how, like, your mom was involved in some real estate deal or something. I this is realize. a very serious issue. Oh, my God. All of the signs point to it, Paris. Oh, and I forgot about one thing, I, one other thing I wanted to talk about, um... So yeah, if you don't mind. Oh well, if that I, I expected that to blow the lid off you, but I guess it's. I'm sure it did to some people. <laughs> I am a proponent of this new theory. It wasn't Bush after all? It was a 30 year long orchestrated petty attack <laughs> hey, by honestly, Trump. Like at this point, to bring sure. himself to the presidency. Oh God. Um, he made the deal with Putin to like Putin would give him the presidency and he would get the tallest building back again, which he didn't. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, I just want to talk about some quotes that I found chilling <laughs> in okay. light of recent you know, I'm, I'm pretty warm up in my room right now. So how about you cool me down? A bit? Um, he said that, you know, most most of the way that he convinced people was just confirming an impression that they were predisposed to believe. So, again, that's his whole power of positive thinking just lie to people with enough gusto and they believe it to be true and then you can also pretend that it's true and just move right along Um, i I will admit to using this before yeah i mean he also just talks about like uh he could only talk big for so long on like a deal you know he he could only lie for so long before he actually produced anything and and he talks some shit about lending millions to the third world and how that's terrible and i mean we know how he feels about that but um yep I want to talk about the Trump limo for a minute. Oh. Oh. Do you remember that really small paragraph where he talks about the Trump limo? No. Oh, my God. All right. So, the Trump. (laughs) So, I remember reading the passage and going, what the fuck? I don't ever remember there being Trump limos. And I was mostly right. So, um, in the book, he talks about the limo in such a way that makes you think that, um, this car company want, just wants to build a limo after him because, you know, he's so sex, sexful, successful. I am the sexfulest um, man in the world. Sorry, I can't talk. Um, I'm extremely sexful. Oh, fuck. oh, my God. I can't remember. Shit. I can't the remember. Sex, what... uh, uh, People Magazine's sexfulest man sexfulest. of the year. <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember the car company. Oh, my God. They're incredibly famous. Um... They build like those huge boats. Uh, oh, fuck those huge boat cars. The, like, like the the duck boats in no, Boston. No, 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 no. I mean, like, like really large, squarish luxury cars. Oh my god, I can't believe I can't remember this. Cadillac, BMW. Cadillac was it? Cadillac. Escalade. Shit. I don't. Oh fuck. Rolls fuck. Royce. Oh my God! I think it might have been Cadillac. I sorry. I just I need to get this right. I didn't write it down. I remember I read. You you have a need to get super specific details right. Well, because I I want people to be able to you know find what I read and verify what I'm saying or or tell me I'm wrong. You know. Like, I'm sure if they Google Trump limo, they could find. <laughs> no. Anyway, so he he talks about um oh how uh. <laughs> you know this company just oh they just want to build a limo and put my name on it you know my name's just so valuable now and 
and I'm so great. Yeah, no, he commissioned 50 limos <laughs> um, so that he could supposedly drive people to and from his casinos in these limos. So the idea was, you know, Trump's so famous and so popular, like his casino, you know, everything's so good with Trump, like... I'm going to drive my rich patrons back and forth in your cars and you'll get exposure that way. And the car company was actually like, "Eh, all right, you know, we'll design it, whatever. So they designed a prototype. They designed two because they were, they were supposed to be the gold series and then the other series. uh And they were just, I mean, just, just Google Trump limo. They're just grotesque. I mean, they're basically like <laughs> if you coated Jabba the Hutt in gold and then like ripped him apart and built a car out of it. That's kind of. They've got a wig on that's just combed uh, over. It's it's just like everything's gold tinted and and dark woods and plush seating and there's like a TV and a two bars and it's just it's got a desk in it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I need a desk in my limo. I yeah. got business to do while I'm limoing. So, yeah, so they're these like grotesque. It's my business limo as opposed to my party limo. You have to have a difference. You can't mix business and pleasure limos, Paris. <laughs> yeah. Where, so anyway, where am I some kind of animal? Anyway, there was so there was the gold series, then the exact I don't know, some other series. I forget oh, what it was called. A, a, the platinum series. The No, it was the gold series then maybe it was just like the regular one then the gold series, but the gold series the, one was the, the one regular that was, one. We just call it the regular one. No, it was like the Trump limo and then the gold series, which was actually the lesser one. I don't know. I, anyway, so they only made two prototypes, one for each design. And Trump gave one to his dad and then never paid them. <laughs> Sweet. I'm gonna, can I do that and just get a free limo? Yeah, I was like, how the fuck does that work? Let's get a terrible guess, book club limo. Yeah, I guess they just never pursued. I forget if it was Cadillac or uh, some GM or I don't know, some large uh, well-known company. All right, we're going to get a terrible book club limo. We're going to fill it with books and drive around the country uh, throwing them at people. Yep. Yeah, so, <laughs> we ordered, so he commissioned these limos and this company thought it was a great idea or at least an okay idea and so they they went through all the production design they produced two prototypes and then he just like gave one to his dad and then the other one all i know right now is that it's in the hands of some european car collector but (laughs) no one really knows like no one knows like what how like how it got over there but basically (laughs) he wanted basically he wanted this ridiculous car for his dad and his way to do it was to trick this car company into making it and then just never paying for them. Shit, or like, sounds like the art of the deal to me, Or like Paris. maybe he paid for the one and then just never paid them for all their time and effort in the creation of the rest, although they didn't end up actually making the other 48. But, you know. Well, well, all right, Paris. Um, yeah. I think we've said all we had to say for now. Oh, Jesus. But uh, that this was our first time back in quite a while. Uh, and I'm yeah. sure we'll have some more stuff to be read pretty soon. Oh. We, ha- we haven't made a selection yet, but I, I, we're going to try to keep a decent pace up this time. We got a new setup kind of going here. Um, I'm going to test out how I can compile everything as soon as we're done with this here. Um, it should go smoothly. If there's problems with the audio, then I don't know, we'll figure something out, but it should yeah. be fine. Yeah, I mean, uh, so we're we're back around. Uh, so send us some requests. We're still on yeah, Facebook. Any and book Twitter. ideas you have, add, you know, some escapism, pre- preferably this time around. <laughs> 
uh yeah so we'll take your we'll take your book requests and um feel free to communicate with us i know i know we were not super responsive uh while we were on hiatus sorry for any i know several several people tried to life contact happens. us and yeah Coma i mean I, I, I tried to get in touch with some people but it was like yeah we basically like i moved life got really busy like you know i'm in a band chris is in like three bands right now indeed um, um sometimes some, something has to give sometimes and the terrible books kind of had to give yeah so, but and um we're I don't know. back yeah. doing well, our I, duty i don't know man i play fucking D all the time like <laughs> we're, we're back know. we're back providing a service to the people yeah i mean especially in a, in a time of need yeah I, I'd like if, to if anything now we need to avoid terrible perhaps oh god you know i mean i don't i don't advocate totally the whole bread and circus thing but you know a crumb a crumb yeah. and a drop is is okay a crumb and a drop that's my new <laughs> album coming out <laughs> a crumb and a drop okay uh, all right <laughs> all right paris with that um we're saying goodbye on this first episode back in quite a while so Bye, everybody. Bye. It doesn't even matter how hard you try.